Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage. And, well, it's not sunny now. It's nighttime. It's, it's nighttime. Um, yeah. So, tonight in the garage, this is Liza. Next to me running board, we have Zach. Yes. Slinking in late. We got Kat. It was sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> Rub it in. Being the eye candy on the couch is Douglas. Whamma jamma. <laughs> we got Yuri back here. Hey, everyone. <laughs> I like that sound. Still not a thumper. Jim. Hi. And Doc. Hey, what's up with this? <laughs> You're not talking about what's up with your jib jabs or whatever you what? say? What? I was, I was going to say... Your blim blams? Oh, hell no. What's up, dog? <laughs> but. <laughs> so, but he didn't. Uh, this this is not our normal podcast night we're recording on. Is it always is it normal? Because we're going to be at the Dirtbag Challenge this weekend and so um, we we knew that we wouldn't have normal recording time but we wanted to get in here because we had so much feedback on uh, Yuri telling his story at Isle of Man that, and we never got to talk about the race or get into more yeah. stuff. We're this like, is, hey, emergency podcast meeting. This is Yuri Cast 2.0. Yuri Berrigan again. I think that'll, that'll work. Yeah. So, Yuri, you want to share with us some of the responses you were getting on your Facebook page? Well, thanks again, Liza, for um, having me down. Um, after that first uh, podcast that you, you guys brought me in for after I had gotten home, um, you guys had done the editing on it and uh, thrown it out there for, for everyone around the world to listen to. And um, that afternoon, I had... Uh, that day I went to work and I was working in our mountains here and there's no there's no cell service up there so the phones are all off and blah 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 you know had my regular lunch and couldn't look at anything on on the interweb and so I got uh, back to my warehouse where I unload everything and I finally dawned on me that I never turned my phone back on and so I turned it back on and you know the thing boots up and you kind of get a couple text messages and then uh the emails and more text messages started flooding in and hmm. people were really stoked about the 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 podcast and the personalities that are here at uh, the Recycle Garage with Motorcycle and Misfits. And, um, you know, a lot of people just were, were really stoked about me getting out onto a podcast and explaining what, happened and the questions were really insightful and they got right to the heart of the i would say the emotion of of what went down and some of the emails and even some of the text messages i got and there was those uh messages via facebook those little bubbles popped up on the top there on the social media and you know a lot of people had said that the the language and and the the conversation really not only touched them in in a good emotional way but it it 
it got them fired up for whatever they were doing, you know, whether that be riding, riding or working or just going through their day. I had people, I had a husband and wife contact me from over in Ireland who said that, you know, they, they woke up with their tea and they, they listened to it (laughs) and and they were like hanging on every word. They said it was, you know, it was fantastic. They use their Irish type, language describing everything you know that you, you know English yeah yeah it, it, you know they just kind of I think Mike would say they speak Irish German there yeah, something like that but they describe things a little bit differently you know that uh, but a lot of people had said that they were you know hanging on every word so it was cool it was it was a good positive thing for sure and it and it made me happy at the end of the day for sure cool yeah I was following that too and seeing the feedback and like oh my gosh this is so awesome and yeah, I agree. We we ran out of time. Um, I love how somebody uh, people were commenting on, oh, it went too fast. Like we need more time. That was one of the longest podcasts we've yeah, it was, done. It was an hour and a half. I yeah. know. Yeah, I told you guys you needed hours and I hours because I can talk for hours and hours. That's for damn. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to thank all the people who <laughs> did take the time to comment or send messages to Yuri. Um, we were right there with with you listening to him here in the garage. So. Yeah. Let's revisit. So uh, last we heard you were telling the story of getting to the race, just everything you're doing to qualify. Uh-huh. And um, we also were discussing about what qualifying means is you have to qualify to keep furthering on to get to the main race, as you say. Right. right. So in your class, I think you said this before, but let's recap. How many people started out and how many people made it to the main race? So I believe that <clears throat> when I signed on, I, I I believe that there was 27 names on the list that, you know, that had, that had been accepted to the race. Um, I don't know exactly. There's no giant board that shows who exactly made the voyage over there because that was you know that's part of the trick is getting your bikes over there and getting to that sign up table well for whatever reason i'm sure one or two or i don't know how many people never even got over there because their bike blew up at their home race uh, venue or they missed a flight they missed a ferry what whatever the money ran out you know whatever um what ended up happening though is in the main event there were nine names on the starters list by the by, the end of those Damn. seven yep. to nine, seven to eight qualifying nights, and um, I think I had intimated on the last interview that you know anything can happen over those nights. Your bike can blow up. You can um, physically give out. Um, your bike can go off course, and and you can be injured. Um, it's just there's a lot of variables involved with getting through the entire process and making it to the race day it's it's pretty involved so it's it you made it you're it's the race you're lining up now we're not going to say how many there were but we do know that that every year they average having deaths here and this year there was i think more than usual so how do you as you're lining up ready to do this thing, how do you let that go and not worry about that? Have you already, in your head, you've mastered the track, you're in the groove, it's go time? Yeah, yeah as far as <clears throat> as far as the, 
the injuries and um, the more the more tragic side of the event, I I made it a point not to um, dwell on what had been happening in real time over there. And before I went, I made it a point to sort of focus on myself and not focus on the the high danger aspect of it. I mm-hmm. I approached it as as a road that I'm I'm going to be going on for a low time, but at this but at this in the same moment, approach it as a ride where I'm going to stay in control and. Um, the conditions are going to dictate what I what I intend to do. Meaning, mm-hmm. there's no need to go out there and try and push in a situation that doesn't call for it. Right. So that's that's the way I, I approach the entire event is not focusing on the, the variables that could happen and what did happen to other riders yeah. that were in the event. I think as isn't it as a racer in general, you have to just kind of develop a way to compartmentalize all that, right? I mean, it's just a natural thing that you eventually do after racing for so many years, yeah. The dangers in general. Yeah, yeah. So, so just as a side thing, I think that there actually have been some new studies released that say that that's what makes these guys at the highest level of of motorsports so good is that they're able to shut off all that stuff that happens away from the track and and just focus on um, the memory the muscle memory mm-hmm. where you need to make your markers this and that and and that's and I'm I'm a big believer in that now that if if like you said if you can compartmentalize your whole situation and get away from the emotions just for the time you're racing then then I think you're going to you're going to excel I know exactly what you're talking about. Just my limited time at a track day, I had such a hard time focusing and staying in the moment. So I think you're right. To be a racing at this level, it, that's what it takes. It takes somebody who can laser focus on what you're doing. So yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's put you there. You're lined up. You're, you're not thinking about anything. You're just looking straight ahead. And I think the fairies are with you, so the bike's running. <laughs> you're feeling good. Yeah. You yeah. have nothing you're worried about. They tell you to go. Yeah. <laughs> what what happens? So, so so leading up to it, you know, you get you get in a big line in order of your starting position, and they got a clock out there, a whole new kind of um, metering system at the start finish line. You're not going out from the pit wall. Um, my bike was uh, turned off as I roll up because I was going to be about, I, I, th- I want to say I was about 12 minutes back from the starting of the race, just the way my order was. Mm-hmm. I was going to be, I was going to see, because on the start finish roster, um, on the starting roster, they have your exact time when you're gonna leave the the start finish line, and I think mine was like 12 minutes back, mm-hmm. and so I was rolling up, bike was off, you know. I, I at that point I was really focused. For whatever reason, I felt good. My mind was clear. The day was clear. It wasn't ominous at all. Um, so how, how many minutes between riders? It's uh, ten seconds. It's quick, so you don't Cat's have a lot of time. Shit over there! What's yeah. going on over there, Cat? <laughs> 
but you don't have a lot of time to sit there and like have stuff roll through your mind. You pretty much roll up a couple of seconds and you're yeah, yeah. You got it. You got to be. You got to be ready to to rock and roll. You know, and and my mind's pretty much made up way before the line. But as you roll up the line, mm. there are people sitting on the 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 cement walls. It's a it's a real iconic moment from what you see on the videos and on television. Um, there comes a point when you're rolling towards the start finish where there are marshals that stand, and anyone who is with you, as far as your pit crew or helpers, they cannot advance beyond that point. So when you get there, you can see about eight riders in front of you in line and everyone who's with you falls away. And at Mm. that point, you are completely alone. So I had my earplugs in like I usually ride. And at that moment, you're just metering your breathing and you're kind of watching how the the flat there's a, a flag guy in the distance but there's also a guy that stands next to you with headphones on and put he places his hand on your shoulder it's sort of a um a unique thing to this race and when the flag gives a wave up near this booth he gives you a tap and that's when you go so you're kind of looking at the way he taps in relationship to the way the flag goes at least i was because i like to I like to nail my starts and I and I almost like to I definitely like to anticipate things but try and get it right when right when he does it. So yeah. I'm moving up the line. I'm watching how the the relationship between the flagger and the hand is working and everything's going away. My bike's on at this point and I'm idling up. And uh, so I'm next and the guy in front of me, he goes and he goes into the distance and I roll up into the into the, my moment. And uh, what's the delay between the guy who went ahead of you and you? It's what, 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Okay. We just answered that a second ago. I'm cur- Did I sit in the corner until, uh, you, until you catch up? Uh, I was distracted of, by something. Oh, be quiet. What? Uh, <laughs> what kind of bike was the guy riding in front of you? He was on. I want to say he was on a CBR 400. So a Honda inline four cylinder four hundred, mm-hmm. and um, so after the dinner with the marshals that night, was everybody like super cool with you? <clears throat> oh yeah, I mean everyone like had everyone a, knew you. Ev- you had your ev- rep going. Yeah, yeah every, like- everyone had their thumbs up. Everything was was really cool. Um, one of the things that one of the things that was going on in the environment is that at this point, because it's a race day, the entire grandstands are full of spectators. Yeah. And the pit row is full of um, all the pit crews and people. And, you know, there's a lot of activity going going on. It's not just a regular practice where you have s- small amount of bystanders up on the sides and stuff. I mean, it's a, it's it's the event. Yeah. It's packed. It's big show. So my bike is idling and I'm at the uh, start finish and i can tell you know there's a lot of energy and i can see people in the grandstands standing up you know because they want to get a look at this goofy (laughs) stuff that's about about to go down look at this clown yeah Yeah. exactly exactly word is out by this point exactly there's probably people that want to see me just explode into a mushroom cloud (laughs) right right there or or turn into a frog that was a nice well at least your bike started this time yeah 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 thank you fairies so so I'm I'm there and I'm 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 anticipating the start I'm I'm revving my bike up well 
I did a little mental mistake on my part. I had geared the bike super tall. So what that requires is that a lot of clutch slipping has to happen off oh, the no. line oh, because oh, no. because of the stall factor. So yeah. the flag the flag drops, the guy taps my shoulder, I give it some gas and I just it the bike just falls on its face and stalls. Oh, and there was man. even even with my earplugs in there was this collective groan from, <laughs> from, from everywhere. It was like, I mean, it was like. Did it have an accent? It was like, <laughs> yeah, when someone like is dancing on a table and everyone's watching and they slip and fall and bust their ribs and everyone in the room goes, oh, you know, like has a animated reaction. Yeah. That's exactly Man. what happened. And everyone in the area probably. 2,000 people just did a collective, oh, you know? <laughs> Damn. And so I immediately- Dude, you choked. Yeah, I, I yeah. totally, totally choked. It was it was just a moment of just- Is that is this the one with the Kickstarter or the E-Start? The e <clears throat> it, it's the Kickstarter bike. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm right over to the Kickstarter and I, I've, watched, I've watched my onboard video and it's one, two- Yeah. Three. So oh I'm ki God. I'm kicking the bike. So that was the start. It wasn't a pit stop when that happened. No, that's the the start. All right. So the guy, the the starter, doesn't quite know what to do, whether to push me over to the side, like with his hand gesture or not. So he, I see him out of the corner of my eye. He's waving the next rider up to the line, and so that guy's kind of elbowing his way next to me, and I'm giving the bike kicks, the kick in the bike, kick in the bike. And he he takes off. The next guy takes off, and I remember him looking back under his shoulder at me like, "You are a friggin' idiot." I remember that too. When I watched, you know, I yeah. saw him do that. I'm like, "I want to yeah. fight that guy." Yeah, <laughs> he, he he was he was he was he was not stoked yeah. at all. So looking back at the video it took me 12 kicks to start the bike and yeah. i counted 13 seconds the bike started and i knew i wasn't going to wait for any instruction or wave from anyone i just i just took, took off, off. Yeah. i just freaking that's took a off. you're in a high compression piston in there right i mean that's yeah. why i took it so so many kicks or... yeah yeah that bike that that particular bike you know you got to get it just right yeah and kick. so i didn't think it was that bad i thought it wasn't going to start but it fired yeah but it seemed like I had taken the crowd from this exalted high to this <laughs> depths of low disappointment. And then when I took off again, it was like everyone jumped out of their seat and just did a hurrah, you know, like yeah, yeah. the English hurrah and with a fist in the air. And, right. and we took off down the straightaway. So... You know that was that was completely my fault. I should have had that thing just rev to the moon, but yeah, I I honestly didn't want the thing to like blow up on the line. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, so I didn't do a big race start. You right. know, I thought I was just gonna pull away, but um, you know, I just got a little bit too happy and let the clutch out. You know, more than I should have. I should have known to to slip yeah. it a lot, a lot more. It sounded like the crowd wanted you to su to succeed, though. I mean, as as bad as the awe kind of scene, but like they're like, all right, this guy's got it now. He's he's on his way or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. There was a there was a lot of um, there was a lot of of enthusiasm along with um, anticipation of the start. Yeah. But enthusiasm that I had 
made it through the whole week of these trials and tribulations mm. and pretty much everyone was on the same page of, as it was going to happen. This yeah. guy is in the race. Seems right. like you earned your spot to be there. Yeah, and yeah. you had how many laps in that race? It, um, okay, so the race got shortened to th- uh, three laps. It was originally slated for four laps, mm-hmm. but because of time constraints, they shortened it to three laps. How often does that happen? It can happen from year to year, just depending on how how their schedule is going. Yep. So um, I'm not sure if they sh- they have shortened it to even two laps, but I know that it's not unheard of. Yeah. For and them so for, you're you for, t- you're taking like at least one pit stop, right? Yeah. To so gas up like a, once a lap. Yes. Yeah. So I kind of. I kind of messed up in that regards also in that we we had we had wondered how much the gas was going to work uh, I, I was carrying a four gallon load we w- we were unsure if I could go the whole three laps and not make a pit stop but that would have been a really gutsy and risky yeah, move cutting it really close yeah and at this point I had done everything that I set out to do in that I knew I wasn't going to set the world on fire. I knew I was down on power on all the other guys in the class. I wasn't there to place in the race. I was there to finish the race. And so I didn't want to risk running out of gas. So the plan we had come to was, is that instead of going two laps and coming in and fueling and doing the third, which is the traditional way that, that everyone approached it, I was to come in on the first lap, few, top off, and just do my two laps. Well, Got it. that was a mistake on my part. I should have done the two laps and then fueled and gone to the third. Um, What's the difference there? It, it's just, uh, it, it would have been, I would have had that flying lap on the second lap. Gotcha. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have come through, but I was trying to play it safe. And another reason why I wanted to come in on that first is that I wanted to have a look at my bike. Yeah. I. I. I was. I was concerned about the motor life and it making the distance, and I wanted to look for any t- telltale signs of failure on the bike after that first lap. Because, as a reminder, how long is a lap? Uh, a lap is nearly 38 miles. Right. Wow. So this is not a typical racetrack. Right, lap. right. And it was it was wide, wide open. Everything was max throttle the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the bikes, the bikes, both of them, the one I was racing and the one I practiced on, they already had laps on them. So there was time on these motors at wide open. And what I what I did notice from experience is going around the course on the that that second lap i could hear already hear the valves um going out of adjustment really yeah yeah because you're so wide open and the fuel that i was using was pump gas oh wow and and my bikes i had set them up really rich i didn't set them up for max power Mm -hmm. and so after the night before that the race the practices there was a lot of carbon in the exhaust so i knew that there was a lot of carbon building up inside the um inside the combustion chamber yeah so i 
you know, I, I just wanted to get the bikes home. I wanted to enjoy my ride and get them home and, and, and be the guy that finished on a supermoto rather than coming so close, but, but falling short. So those, those bikes are only, they only have so many hours on the engine correct it's it's a really finite amount of hours right so the pistons that i use the company um the company's recommendation is 10 hours for the piston and Mm -hmm. though i would be nowhere close to that amount of time on it it's just the the high rpm yeah talking about revolutions yeah Yeah. the high rpm aspect for that duration because i was you don't you don't ride those singles full throttle for that many minutes at a time you may touch full throttle for two three seconds on those bikes on say a motocross track or even a super moto track no one's gonna have five miles straight of full throttle and then get a little off idle and then be right back into full throttle for another eight miles It, it just that doesn't happen anywhere so I wanted to make sure that the bikes made the distance. Yeah. That, that, that was the concern. Wow. That's a crazy feeling, though. Just you think it could fucking blow up at any second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, You're sitting on it. <laughs> so when we talk about having external distractions creep in on you, when I was out practicing in the nights before that, I had made sure and turned all that off because it was it – was, all or nothing at that point it was make the qualifying time you had to i had to do it yeah. so i had to put all the my bike longevity longevity stuff i put that all out of mind and yeah. just went for it but in the race because i was so close yeah. to the to mm. the to the pot of gold it was right there then it did i have to admit it creeped into my head and and i was trying to play it cool so how did your times in the main race compared to your qualifying much lower much lower because looking back on it i know in straight in places where it was straight where i could have when i was qualifying i was pulling the throttle to where it would stop and then trying to stretch it then trying to stretch the throttle even more just looking wow. for every ounce and i know that when i was on the track i was not doing that i think a uh, moto bandito has to come up with the one and a quarter turn throttle yeah, yeah. it goes yeah. to 11 yeah. yeah 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 i was i was i was really trying to um i was really trying to not go overboard on those straightaways where you can really get it on the stop and and like just overdo the motor i was trying to be judicious about how i expended the life of the motor so when i wanted to enter corners with a lot of corner speed and make time i i really had it pinned but on those long straightaways where it was like okay is 50 feet worth of gain at full throttle gonna be be the game changer so i gave up those little those little areas you're talking about you're at the tipping point basically. yeah yeah i i really i really tried to play it smart through the entire course as far as where i nailed it and where and of course the places where i knew i was going to have fun i did went I tried to rock it as full out as I could. So it sounds like, uh, whereas most races you're you're racing against other people, it's highly competitive. You're going, but it sounds like in this, in your mind, you're just racing against yourself, and you're there 
to just have a good time. And that I mean, I like what that's about, too. It sounds like you just weren't stressing, and this just was just a nice, nice ride. It, it, it was, it was, but you have to remember the the unique sort of boat I was in. I didn't bring a motorcycle that was going to be a real game changer or competitive. Mm -hmm. So I had to ride in a way that was like pleasing to myself and, and to do the job that I had come there to do. Well, you're, you're proving something basically. You're well, proving something to yourself and to the world well, that what, these bikes can perform. And it, it could be a game changer. Maybe there's more than one next year. Uh, you know, I mean, who knows, it's, right? It's, it's up to the Manx. Um, it's up to the Manx Motorcycle Club whether or not they want to, um, whether they want to entertain more entries like that. I don't know. All the work that I did <clears throat> leading up to. M- what I thought would make motors that would last. I'm not sure if, I mean, there are people around the world that ride these bikes and ride them hard and ride them fast. I just don't know if they want to initiate that kind of, that kind of program. You know, it would be, they would have to do their homework just like I did my homework. If they had a, a hope or a prayer to make their bike last. So I'm I'm curious. Did you ever have a moment in the race where you were neck and neck and neck with somebody going through town or going through where? Because you're a racer, right? Right. Did you ever have that that moment where you were racing neck and neck with somebody there, or is it fairly spread out? I w- I would say that only happened twice, and they were they were absolutely fantastic moments for my adventure over there and one of the moments was you come down this straightaway it's the Solby straight it's one of the fastest areas on the course it's just a straightaway yeah. and it's where they measure your your uh your your top speed what happened was is three two strokes came by me on that straightaway hmm. obviously they're just ripping by me i'm going like a hundred and change and they're going like 130 125 130 and they were in a nice train there were two two stroke 250s and then there was a little 125 a a gentleman that hold it you got passed by 125 yuri yeah yeah they're they're drafting each other yeah 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 yeah. so they they were just you know they were going nuts it was the fastest part of the corner Mm -hmm. and this 125 is just hanging on to the end of their draft and so they go blazing by me and the end of the Sobe straight, it does this left hand, uh, excuse me, it does this little right hand bend that's just a bend, but it becomes more of a of an area where you have to pay attention because you're going so fast, even though it's pretty straight. So when you come back, when you come off of that, you come down to this 90 degree right hand turn. So everyone, it's a braking zone and it's called the Sobe Bridge. So... They all blaze past me, but since 100 miles an hour is pretty relevant to 125 miles an hour, they don't gap me too far, but I'm noticing that, okay, they're all doing a nice even downshift. They're all falling in line sort of over to the right, getting ready to set up for their peel-in point, and I'm thinking to myself... That's not even close to where I break. They're they're like... 
they're like I would say 50 yards early on the on the thing wow. so I make this choice and I go way over to the left hand curb did you get competitive right there you're like oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's oh, yeah. On now. I, I, I was looking I was drooling right there I was drooling right there because that's where a lot of people sit yeah and I know that everyone falls in line right there so the spectators they just see people go in line there's not any action happening right there well (laughs) i get up on that left hand side and i just i just do my my regular breaking zone where i'm like i'm like a hundred feet from the apex of the corner where i start to break and i skitter in there really good and i'm just I get right back on the gas and I drive around the outside of all. (laughs) Show them some wheel, man. All three of them in the in 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 the corner. We made it, son. Make fun of the supermoto, will you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that was pretty cool. But obviously, you know, we all get back up. Did you give them a little foot wave? (laughs) As you leaned over, we get back all uh, uh, up onto. Back up on up straight up and down, and they you know build up their steam, and they all get get back by me, and I hung on to them for what two three corners, and then obviously they checked out again. But that was yeah. pretty cool. That's okay. There weren't a bunch of people watching there. That's right. You had yeah. a moment, man. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. That was pretty cool. And and then we had I had another moment like that. Um, there's another spot where you come down a straightaway. It's over in a place called Ramsey. And you go down to a place called Parliament Square, and it's a 90 degree, so slow. We're talking, everyone slows down right there. And I could see that everyone that had come by me right there was slowing down on that inside. They're going to, you know, kind of block that inside, take the the smooth right-hand curb right there. And then you you go up this other section where it's it's pretty tight, and then it, it goes to a place called the Hairpin. Well... Going into Ramsey, they all broke on that inside, and I saw the same opportunity. And so I sailed by all of them, uh, past past them going in there, and it just so happens going up into the next section there was a yellow flag going up into this place called May Hill. Yeah. And there's no passing under the yellow flag. So I knew that they were chomping at the bit to get back by me, but they had to stay back. Yeah. Right. You guys, can you imagine being those bikers and having this punk on a motard pass you? Yeah, yeah. Like, as much joy as you had. Can you, oh, they must have been killing them. Yeah, yeah. So they had to, I know they, they were checking up and chomping at the bit, riding behind me. Then there's 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 a couple slow corners and you, you go up towards the hairpin. And it's slow too. So when a two-stroke slows down, they have to build back up their yeah. RPM. Well, they're geared tall too, right? But my bike off the corner, it just jumps off the corner. So we went through the hairpin, and I got a good jump on them. And that next little section is uh, is um, it's on its way. They it, it it's actually a little further up, but I call it waterworks because it's the start before you get to Waterworks and it's exactly like Pescadero Road and it was one of my favorite parts on the whole course. (laughs) That's awesome. So I got this good drive on all of them and it goes around for three corners and you're heading towards this next area called the Gooseneck. Before you get to the Gooseneck, there's a stone wall and there's a white square painted on it and some people call it the bullseye, some people call it the white square, 
you know, is that so, like the is that like the big rock on thirty five? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a landmark. Yeah, it's a landmark. Can... So, right before you get to the bullseye, there's um, or right after you get to the bullseye, you stand the bike up, and there's a long straightaway, set yeah. sort of long, not long as in wide open long, but a squirt. Right, and it goes to the gooseneck. Well, they all squirted by me on the inside because they were all piped up and they wanted to get by. Yeah, the gooseneck is a right hand. <laughs> uphill 90 degree corner same same things going on off They're, camber or on camber it's it's pretty good camber it's yeah. it's kind of i would say it's um neutral it's yeah. not negative and it's not positive it's pretty neutral it, it's a it's a sweeping uphill right yeah and a lot of people sit right there and a lot of photographers well they all do the same thing they fall into the traditional line on the inside mm-hmm. to hug the inside line i do the same thing just jam up the outside <laughs> of all of them and pass them looking at them (laughs) going around all three of them (laughs) when you come up and you stand it up off the goose gooseneck you make a bend to the left and then it's a long drive up and that's where the mountain course starts the mount the mountain section it starts Mm -hmm. so then you're uphill and it's pretty good uphill and it's a straightaway yeah so they all get on the pipe and just just blitz me all back but the cool thing one probably the coolest thing that happened on course is as each one went by me they hung the thumbs up yeah. as they all yeah. went by nice. yeah yeah so, this guy's for real right on. yeah so it was like it was That's like a, it was like a moment i shared with three other riders in the middle of nowhere and it was just us that really knew how it all happened. Yeah, it right. was just us four. That's cool. You know, so. they were probably waiting for you. Like, here he comes. I know he's. Yeah. Oh, there he and goes. They're like, hey, let's <laughs> wait for this guy. He's fun. Thank, thank God for that yellow flag, though, because that gave me that little gap that I had to duff him up. Yeah, you know, yeah. And luck, kind of luckily, it was earlier in the week. I, I would say, well, it wasn't earlier. It was early enough in the week where it wasn't like, it didn't seem like a critical moment for their qualifying. Sure. The, all three of those guys had probably already set their times, so it was just a ride for them. So I'm I'm pretty confident that I didn't ruin their manx right. by, by being in front of them like that. But it was a cool, it was a cool thing to experience. That's good uh, to not piss people off, you know. That's what I, that's, uh, that's express. Really? You, you, now you're going to pull that one out? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? I don't piss people off. What are you talking about? I expressly didn't want to do that. And after the race, a few weeks later, a, a picture surfaced where I was in front of a couple, um, I want to say senior, uh, not senior, um, newcomer A riders. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens the picture was taken and I was right in front of them. And it happened in a place called, um, that's known as Gorse Lee. And the picture surfaced on social media and Someone had said, oh, look at, you know, the supermoto guy. He's he's in front of these guys as if I was I was running with them, quote unquote. Right. Which was nothing further than from the truth. Yeah. Um, it just so happened that the picture was taken while I was while they were trying to get around me. Yeah. Um, there was a couple. I wouldn't say complaints. There was some observations by the two riders that that um 
they had to to wait to get around me and there was some times thrown about which they claimed they were held up and i have i have onboard cameras facing forward they weren't facing backwards but the complaint and the amount of time that they stated i held them up it doesn't stand up to what their lap times were what the video shows because when you're on a 600 and you come around a supermoto if you're held up for 20 or 30 seconds you're gonna you're gonna climb around them power wise Mm -hmm. you you guys all know what a power around someone is it you know the pickup speed it has a certain visual effect well Mm -hmm. on the video they strafe me so i know that their power was built from quite a ways back right. before they got around me. So they were slingshotting. I know there. when people think like, "Oh, I lost, I lost," say just, "I lost thirty seconds." Well, reality is, is you probably lost two or three seconds. Yeah, it just might seem like an eternity in your mind. Yeah, because you're a racer, and a second is an eternity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Like I, yeah. I, all I'm saying is that. I tried to be out of the way as much as possible uh, without looking back at people. I tried to stay on neutral lines, meaning in in the center of the road where there was passing lanes on both sides at crucial moments. And there was just a sort of, um, there was just some words said on the internet about that one particular moment and i would say that that was the only real moment where someone said something but when it was happening i don't see it the same way as they saw it sure that's that's what i'll leave it at they're just whiners that and they're well you know everyone's out there trying to do good and see the, the the problem is is that the guy that was in the picture he got fourth and yeah. his fourth place finish was very it was like a second off a third yeah. so if i was in that guy's position i would definitely say the stupid supermoto guy got in my way sure. and cost me my podium i would i would probably say the same thing yeah. all right so this is a yes no or maybe are you going back to isle of man well, I'm, I'm planning for it okay yeah um are you taking the same bikes no. Ooh. Okay. What are you? Is this Supermoto though? Are you still doing Supermoto or so, that, what bike? That was the podcast. What, let's start with what bike you may actually take. But let's also, I want to hear any bike. What bike do you take back? Knowing what you know now, uh-huh. what bike do you choose to go back to Isle of Man with? I'm 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 leaning towards. I want to go and race in either the lightweight class. Or the super twins class those are the two classes that i have eyes on mm-hmm. and the reason why i'm not going back with the supermoto is because i did that that's already been done um i proved to myself what i needed to prove and now you're taking a moped <laughs> a, a, a cam a camel yeah they want to see a camel uh, definitely won't p- pass tech so, yeah so, so leaking like, fluids like, <laughs> yeah, yeah there there there's God. a lot of there's a lot of people that that um gave me real good positive uh uh feedback and and really inspirational uh, uh, comments on what I'd done this year, but there's always going to be a group of people that, you know, don't really 
believe that it was all that special. No. Haters. We call them haters. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they. yeah, you could call them haters, but there's a lot of... I, when you do something and you get people that that still don't want to give up any sort of high fives, they start saying stuff like, well, you didn't have a proper bike, so it doesn't really count. Um, you know, yeah. may, maybe if you had something that was equal, maybe then, you know, then uh, we'll talk type of thing. So you right. want to show up next year and be like, here I am. <laughs> Let's go. I, I want to show up and, and I want to prove to myself that there's some things that I know in my heart that with machinery that equals everyone else's that I can prove to myself that I make a finish that is is respectable in yep. the circles of Manx. That yep. that would be what I would be looking for next year is to do something that that um, that looks good on the scoreboard to to people who are long timers there. You want in the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, let's let's get down to brass tacks here. When you're when you're when you got a competitive mentality, mm -hmm. you want to do better. But that being said, I want to do it in a safe manner, and I want to show the people that that I can come and be safe and not be a screwball yeah. trying looking for for speed over there but actually in a controlled manner make a decent make a decent time make a decent time yeah 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 that's cool so you you yeah you, you need to buy a bike now wow that's that's will sell you one i got a jixer 750 that, in that's my the thing <laughs> i can't i can't produce the type of program that I did last year, meaning I I just don't have the means to go buy a bike, go buy two bikes, so I have an A and a B, yep. build them to the hilt, ship them, and race with the AFM here in California, and make the entry fees and the whole nine yards of staying there. What I'm looking at now is I've I've had a couple people approach me that have motorcycles over there okay. that that I could lease, which is well, you're going to be a monkey for hire, aren't you? I, I'm well. I don't know if it'll be for hire. Like I said, I have a couple people that have offered and said, "Hey, we could maybe build this bike that we have in the garage, and you could come over and ride it." Then I've also reached out to other people that have bikes to lease, but it's for what I for me is large amounts of money okay but if none of this was an issue what's the perfect bike what what's what's the right bike to take there I think in okay so it, and, and what are other people mostly riding in these classes all right so the breakdown is is that in the lightweight class it's it's 400 cc motorcycles okay. here in the United States those are like gold. People who have them, they want anywhere from five to eight thousand dollars because they're rare in the United States. Oh, you mean like an inline four hundred, like a CBR yeah. four hundred, a RVF oh, four right. hundred. Yes. People think they're sitting on a pot of gold over here. Yeah. Over there, if you just look on eBay UK, it's like nine hundred bucks, fifteen hundred pounds, anywhere from 
900 to 3,500 pounds. And for 3,500 pounds, you can buy a tricked out race ready 400. Let's yeah. do it. So are we talking like an that's the plan. R- RC 390? <laughs> an RC 390 will not be allowed because that is I want to say I want to say that's a single yep I want to say that's a single okay and that would be totally legal but it would be this it would be same problem it would be the same boat if not worse they just don't make the power so Yuri what bike do you pick come on now (laughs) what I what I would like to do is that Yes, I would like the, to ride an inline high revving four. The problem with that program is it's it, it, it's too much. It's too much, and those bikes are older machinery. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're 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 dated. You can make them haul butt, but it takes a lot of work, and I can't oversee a building of a bike over there. I would just have to take what was rolled out for me. Is there like an NSR four hundred? Um. No, okay. there's uh, two fifty. I think is the yeah, largest. That's all I see. So there's a CBR four hundred, RVF, ZXR four hundred, yep. FZR four hundred. Mm-hmm. So, so you're pretty limited in what you can choose. Yeah, yeah. And those guys over there that have those bikes, I mean, they're they're constantly building on them, but they're older platforms. What I think is the better option mm-hmm. is trying to find a super twin. So that would be like the ER six N or the SV six fifty. Right. And those guys over there, they got those things. They got them making 90 horsepower now. Wow. And they they got like R6 front end on them, uh, Versys swing arm, tuned suspension. They're really nice bikes. And I, I think that I could do well on one of those. Yeah. So, But then you're talking a 650, not a not 650. A yeah. Yeah. So that would be the Super Twins class. That's what I'm leaning towards. All right. All right. That changes. I mean, when she, 650 is much more common here. Yeah, it is. So you, See, you that's, basically have to. That's the thing. I could get one over here and get in tune with the way the motor works for a few bucks, and then it wouldn't be such, you know, then going over there, I would know the chorus that that motor makes and maybe hopefully have one with a little more power than a stock right. one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So we are also talking about. I asked you if there were other obstacles you had to overcome. This might be in in the shipping the bikes there and getting them set up and and I I don't know buying tickets to shit. I don't know what other obstacles did you encounter. And you just got your bikes back right from the port of Oakland today. Did you bring them? I just picked them up today. They're in a crate. Yeah, they're in the they're in the crates. Yeah, still. I just rolled into town right before I came down to the uh, podcast. Yeah. So over there, there was a few. Th- there was there was questions going over there. I had read the rule book and the technical uh, aspects that the bike was required to to meet. When I got the bikes out of the crates and up on stands. Um, a couple of the people that I were w- that I, that I was with gave them a sort of once over look over and pointed out some things that they didn't think would pass the tech inspection and I had you know I had meowed to them that no 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 the rule book said x and they just gently put their hand around my shoulder and said listen boy 
the rule book says one thing, but it's the t- it's up to the tech inspectors what passes and what doesn't. Yeah. Let us clue you in Ooh, on a cu- let us clue you in on a couple little things that 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 happen over here. And so, <laughs> welcome to the hood, motherfucker. So <laughs> I had sp- I had spent I got there like seven days early, and I had to wait to get my bikes to the paddock and uncrate them. And so once they were uncrated, I started to try and figure out, okay, try and get some minds over here that are going to point out things that are in this so-called secret rules, yeah. the things that, the things that, yeah. that they're going to get me because I didn't want the situation of going up to my first tech inspection and having these people turn me away because I had overlooked something. My, my, one of my goals going over there was to prepare the bikes to where there was no question about their soundness. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted no one second guessing my stuff. And that doesn't mean trying to pull the wool over someone's eyes or thinking that I know it all and and, and being arrogant. No, it was about preparing the bikes to where they looked at it, looked at each other nodded and say this lad has come with a serious mind and he has prepared his bikes in a in a manner that is suitable for our safety standards yeah so were your two bikes were they set up identical or did you tweak them a little bit different they were set up virtually identical in appearance they were different meaning different plastics were on the bikes um the wheels were the same type of wheels two different manufacturers but both were cast aluminum wheels mm-hmm. um the motors i would say the only difference in the motors is that one had a camshaft that was a little bit more mild than than the other one i wish i could have had the same camshafts but that yeah. one cost me a lot of money these are both yz 450s one was a yz 450 and one was a wr 450 there we go yeah. both were 2008s but i had made sure and i had found a wr 450 transmission and i put that into the yz yeah because okay. i wanted the longer ratio not right. the short ratio transmission so for extended revs it, it was designed for long fire roads, not the motocross track. Right. So I had those transmissions in both bikes. Um, the bars were a different brand, but almost identical bend. So they were pretty much the same. And then along, uh, uh, aside from that, they did have two different exhaust cans on them. But, you know, what's that? Yeah. So did, with these slight differences, did you notice it? On the track. Definitely. Definitely. Even though I set a qualifying time on both bikes, the bike that had the flat track cam, meaning the cam that was designed for extended high revving, it seemed to be a little bit more agreeable with the high speed areas. It seemed they were geared identical, but the one with the flat track cam seemed to pull that gearing just a little bit better and the other one struggled to really reach that top RPM. Because, you know, with, with everyone who's always doing these modifications to their bike and performance, and I always say, you know, you're never going to notice the difference on the street, but this, what you're doing is when you're going to notice a small difference. Yeah, yeah. may come out a big difference on the track. And, and you can even notice it on the short course Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're going 10 tenths, 
Um, you can tell how when, especially when I would ride them back to back, just for everyone's information, the WR transmission it actually is not that good on the short track. The YZ transmission where you can go through the short ratios, mm -hmm. that works better on yeah. the track. And I know I I knew that difference when I rode them back to back in 2014. I started seeing how much better and why the guy on the YZ the year before was always whipping my butt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the transmission gearing it it works a lot better and it's yeah. a lot I, I mean, the guy was a great rider. But it was easier to get to the place you needed to be yeah. in the in the RPMs. So it was like it was just easier for you to get that corner exit speed and the revs that you needed with, with the uh, with the shorter ratio on on the short track. Yeah. yeah, but I think I did make the right choice with the WR. I think that also made my motors last. Yeah. running that at Isle of Man because that's a long road. Were there any other choices that you made for the Isle of Man? Um, uh, setup wise that came through or didn't come through because I know you were you're you're building your bike based upon the short tracks that uh -huh. you're riding here uh -huh. well this is a completely different track right. and riding right. situation are, th are there any decisions or that you made that came through or yeah yeah or, or worked against you no what I what I did in in my research what what ended up happening was is that I had tried to think about how I can make the motors as robust as I possibly can. So I did some things. I took uh, the titanium valves out of both motors and I put stainless steel valves in them, mm -hmm. which are less performance because it's more reciprocating mass in mm -hmm. the valve heavier. train. Yeah. So you got to run heavier springs and the, the stuff's not going to go. It's not going to go as fast in in a combustion situation it's not going to operate as quickly because it's throwing more weight around so you lose a little bit of um engine dynamic performance through doing stainless steel but i thought it would be more robust than the lighter titanium stuff yeah then i took um the cranks out of the bike and I had ended up having cranks built that were lightened. They were balanced and lightened, which worked really good. That's the first time I ever put money towards a lightened crank, mm. and it actually works really good. And then I took OEM cranks and had them pressed apart, and I put in aftermarket. One had a... Um, they both had special rods in them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I don't. You know. can't. You can't. Uh, yeah, this is the secret. Yeah, it's, it's not. What are you trying to do to this guy? It's Come not, on. It's, it's not so much that I just <laughs> don't, didn't know if that was that was kosher to put vendors' names, right. oh, okay. on, you know, product placement up. I, I just just leave it at that. That there's there's two companies in the United States that make really good single mm -hmm. cylinder rods, yep. and pretty much everyone goes with one or the other. And so I had a mis a mishmash. I put one brand in in one bike, and I put the other brand in just because that's what I found on eBay for for mm -hmm. small amount of money. Yeah. You know? So um, how did you change your riding style, or if at all? I mean, you're coming from a supermoto, you're backing it in, you know. But like on besides the road, tuck yeah yeah but uh but like a, on, on a road course like that where you do have kind of sweepers and, and the turns aren't as not like a go-kart track it, how did that change or affect uh your riding style the way you braked and all that stuff or was it just kind of like old hat this is just the way i need to ride it yeah what was cool about the isle of man and what i found out within like the first 
20 seconds, a little bit more, because I got down. It took me a little bit to get down to the first corner. Yeah. What I wouldn't start. What, <laughs> I, what I found in the first 45 seconds is that this was I was going to be able to ride the way that I want to ride. Meaning, oh, that's when, cool. when I go to the short track. <clears throat> It's high corner speed, high lean angles, mm -hmm. really going for it. When I ride up in our mountains, which I'm really comfortable with, I ride a little bit different way. I lean off the bike and keep the bike upright because there's variables, sand, water, leaves, sticks, right. painted lines, moss, all the things that I've learned over 25 years of how to approach and survive up there. It was like I was able to go into that Sunday ride spirited ride um mode and ride the way that's the way i want to ride yeah you know Felt like at home huh yeah like shoulder into all the corners yeah. keeping the bike upright it just like i said i think one of the reasons why i had so much fun is because there was no there was no nervousness about riding the road it yeah. was just having fun and and I always said to all my friends that the kind of riding I want to do is road racing, what they call over in Ireland, road racing, mm -hmm. yeah. not short course racing. But the only way to get to the Isle of Man is doing years of the short course racing. Yeah. Like I'll go to an AFM event and it's very rare that I have a moment where I'm having fun. It's very focused and competitive and get, get placement and beat people that kind of head-to-head -head type stuff yeah at the isle of man it was just like i'm home yeah it was like i was home that's rad dude yeah so are you are you gonna sell your bikes now uh i've i've thought about that and it, i i kind of i kind of want to put them in a glass case i mean <laughs> yeah. how oh. could you, how could you pass those things off and just have some kid go you know blow them up and throw yeah. them in a shed somewhere plus you'll probably never recover your yeah. money at from wor that worse either. at worst they'll end up here the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I would love to have someone at the garage it's just that i i couldn't i couldn't ever like like douglas said i wouldn't expect to get the money out of them and and you know a, a, a 2008 450 is really low in the used marketplace yeah. and it's like well what do i do Let's go sell those things and then Oh, I had this awesome supermoto, but I sold it. You know, yeah. that, so you have the um, the guy. tubular, uh, the rear subframe. No, I don't. All stock. Okay, so is there something that we could put an S hook and a strap? On, yeah, and we maybe got chariot races some coming chariots. Up. <laughs> <laughs> chariot, chariot, chariot racing. Uh, the weekend after next, we're doing some chariot racing. Oh, wow. These are these tricks, milk crates that we have that uh, somebody sits on, and you uh, get dragged around. Oh, that sounds an oval like a, track. That sounds like a recipe for no injuries. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> Not if, yet. if you want to retire your bikes, we can use them for yeah. the chariot races. May let's, let's uh, kind of an undignified yeah. retirement, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, dragging a bunch of idiots on a cart. <laughs> the banks on them. If you were to sell them, where might you sell them? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you'd go to Craigslist, because guess what time it is? This is the dueling edition, Yuri. Sure. Okay. Since you were here, yeah. 
three of us went on to Craigslist to different cities. We wanted to see who could find the best deal for a supermoto. Okay? I see. So we're each going to present to you what we found, and you're going to vote who found the best deal. It's not the lowest price. I'm okay. going last. Who? Oh, you, you, want, you want in on this? All right. Let's do last. it. Let's do this. Okay. So we're going to see who found the best deal. I will start. I'm going to present to you. Where did you find the deal? Uh, this one is on the Atlanta Craigslist. This one is in Kennesaw. Hot Atlanta. All right. And I found a YZ450 Supermoto. For $3,400. And what year is that? This one is not stating. Let's see. Uh, it's been bored and stroked. Uh-oh. Uh, less than six hours <laughs> on the motor rebuild. Uh-oh. Um, it's got $3,000 in receipts for the entire build. They always it's do that. It's got XL wheel wraps with new Michelin pilots, FM, FMF pipe Renthal, 1545 sprockets, 520 chain, big brake kit, new plastic, new graphic kit, Pro Taper triple tree bar risers, Pro Taper bars, pumper carb with big jets, aftermarket rear shock, titled and insured. Plated? It is racetrack prepped and street legal. Ooh. But the lights were wired wrong, so they need to be fixed. Um, but it has the full the full harness for the lights and the stator. Um, he's moving and needs to sell this. They're always moving. So hand People that to yours so you can take a look. $3,400. Let's see. So That sounds to me like someone's trying to hit a home run. <laughs> so I'm hoping this might okay, so, be a good so, track bike. So, so what... What you have here is a 06 or lower because it has the steel frame. It's a okay. five-valve motor. Okay. So what you're talking is dinosaur here and the thirty oh. then the thirty four hundred dollar range. Yeah. That's that's a guy trying to hit a home run right there. Spent three thousand trying to recoup it. Okay. Yeah, that's right. that's that's a lot that's of right. that's a lot of really, receipts. Even though it's even though it's uh, <laughs> but it looks pretty. Even though it's plated, it's not yeah, it's not plated, plated in California. Exactly. Right. exactly. On, that's a good segue. All right. He says, moving because to California, no need to take sand to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> right All on. right, Jim, what you got? Unless you live in San Francisco, right. so representing NorCal, uh, okay. Uh, okay. I will say out of San Francisco, a rare California-plated street-legal mm-hmm. 08 Husaberg FE650. Uh-oh, that's uh, big one. money. I saw that one. Yeah. 5800 bucks. Right. So highly coveted, mm. 2,500 miles. Let's see, bare wheels, Cush Hub, Behringer six-piston front brake, a lot Wait, of other 2,500 miles on an 08? 2,500 miles. Wow, okay. Do your research, blah, blah, blah. He can do wheelies in the dirt in third gear. <laughs> does, it, does it come with a parts bike? Because good luck getting parts for that. 5,800, you say. <laughs> <laughs> the one. <laughs> that one. That's been up there yeah. forever. Yeah. So this one's been lingering up there. And uh, an, again, basic Bay Area guy thinking he's sitting on a pot of gold. 5,800 bucks, meaning that he bought this thing for like... Thirty-two hundred and is trying to make money on it. No, It'd be awesome bet, if he's I actually you, listening. I bet you paid sixty-two hundred and it's trying not to lose too much. Yeah, exactly. This, this one, this one. Oh no, we're not know, doing well. You know. All right, Doug. That's, All right. That, I comb these lists every mm-hmm. night, oh, sure. and I see these things, <laughs> and you know, yes, very no. rarely will you find a nugget where someone has 
got their stuff. You know, they yeah. know what 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 what's gonna get someone to come over with cash. This spike right here. Yeah. This is the kind of person that says, "I know what I have. Don't try and lowball me. <laughs> if I can't sell it." I'll just keep it. That's that's what he'll say. Yeah. Right. So you got to just kind of say, okay, bro, you're keeping your bike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So out of uh, Fort Bragg, I also have a 2005 YZ450F. Uh, it's got a high compression piston, uh, FMF power core exhaust with a power bomb, uh, new fluids, race tech suspension, pro taper bars, trail tech. Uh, it's not street legal. Mm. Uh, Moto Master Supermoto front big brake setup, Galfer brake like new, uh, lithium race battery. What else is going on here? Uh, oh, it's got uh, Excel wheels and it also has dirt wheels, probably the original wheels it came with, and that's for thirty five fifty. Dang it! That's one hundred and fifty more than mine. It's freaking clean. Yeah, it's the steel frame one. Oh. Um, it's the five valve motor. Okay. Okay. Oh, five. You see here, that? hand that you, back you to him since we're going head to head here. You know, it's Let's just. Let's see. Mine's just, 150 less. Yeah. Plated, plated. But you got to go to Kennesaw to get it? Yeah. Hey. It's not plated in California. Good luck. It's you plated. Know. Yeah, but you can get a fried pork chop while you're there. That's <laughs> <laughs> fried chicken you've had in your life. Come on. Come on. Are we, are we agreeing yeah, that a, Jim you, is out of this? You got a 426 here. Come on, Jim. Not a 450. What? Is Jim out of this? Is it Hussenberg no, no, out? So, so, so or is that a contender? No, no. So everything's in play right now. Are, okay. we, are we ready? Yes. You get to vote. Who okay. won? Here's who won. <gasps> Nobody. <laughs> Liza? Yeah. Jim? Yeah. Douglas? Yes. Yeah. Save your money, man. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me to. Because I know this guy that just came back from Isle of Man with a couple of sweet bikes that he's going to unload. <laughs> Save your money. You're saying we're all winners for not buying these bikes. Yeah. I say, I say, look away. Yeah. <laughs> dump, dump money into the supermoto I've already got. Yeah. All right. Well. Good game. Good yeah. game. All right. We'll have to keep do looking. Next time. Yeah. Keep looking. Um, we wanted to hit on a couple really, really cool emails we had. Let's let Jim read his first. All right. So uh, here's a person that I've another person I've never met who I immediately think is awesome. That I'll pass around. We've got pictures so, she provided. If you want to check out the pictures, this is from Sheila in Texas. Hey, right? Sheila. Because oh, this is oh, a great Sheila. one. <laughs> so, uh, Sheila, I'll just read a couple of sentences and then I'll paraphrase. Hey guys, I just started listening to your podcast this week. Your show is awesome. Hey, thank I enjoy you. hearing your stories. I've loved riding anything on wheels my whole life. Dirt bikes, mopeds, three-wheelers, four-wheelers, motorcycles, scooters, etc. All right. I'm only five feet tall and about 100 pounds, so I have a hard time finding a bike that'll fit. Biggest bike she ever had was a Suzuki Boulevard S40 650. Mm-hmm. Cruiser. Yeah. Um, but she's not digging the cruiser thing, so she's looking for other bikes. So she finds a 72 Yamaha LT2 100. Nice. On vintage. Craigslist with title. So um, so she she puts the blood, sweat, and tears in. She works on it. There's leaks. Weird stuff's happening. She eventually, it sounds like, on her own, gets it all figured nice. out. Nice. So, for her, man. 
Uh, so, which gets even cooler, she goes to a vintage car motorcycle show. She wins first place. Yeah, All right. cool. And her, her her bike is named Oscar because it was because it's green. It was covered in a bunch of crud when she first <laughs> got it. So, anyway, uh, it's a bit of high maintenance, but she loves it. The cool, but then she also has a ruckus. Yeah. That I'm slightly disappointed it doesn't have an extended swing arm. <laughs> but it more than makes up for it because the original exhaust shot out blue flames and scared children. That's where you scared oh the children, God. everybody. So you Sheila jet that thing up. Quickly yeah. move from Texas to Santa Cruz, California with your cool ass spaceship looking helmet yeah. and your awesome colored green Yamaha. That's pretty cool. It's, it's a boss, vintage helmet. And Sheila a perfect helmet. Perfect helmet for that Thank bike. Thank you, Sheila. Yeah, also move here because I want to try a ruckus. We need someone in the group with a ruckus to play with. My buddy Ed's got a big ruckus. He's got the big ruckus. <laughs> and she I'll sent great pictures, by. by the way. The pictures she sent yeah. of her on her bike are just awesome. Super yeah, cool. Sheila, thanks for sending the email. Yeah, we really enjoy cool. that shit. Good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, Douglas, you have one that uh, there's a little discussion is going to follow. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one is from Brian. Uh, Brian, thanks for writing in, man. Uh, titled, Should I get rid of my 2012 R1200GS and get a 1978 R107? Hey, gang. I love your show and listen to it religiously. You guys are doing something special, and it is awesome. I Thank wish you. I had something. Yeah, totally, dude. Uh, I wish I had something like that in my Chicago suburban youth, but I digress. I came across a 1978 R100 that I really, really like. It has 15,000 miles on it and pretty clean and seems to have been well-maintained. It has an ugly fairing, <laughs> but I've read a lot of great things about this bike and haven't read anything bad about this bike with the exception of the ignition points that will just have to be replaced every so often. I also have a BMW 2012 GS that I'd get rid of it to buy the seven and use as me daily rider and the weekend yeah it's whatever dash say dash dash it's a it's a backward slash i've worked on the gs and have done (laughs) basic maintenance and truth be told it is expensive i am a 27 year old locomotive electrician apprentice this thing this blew me away because that's a fucking cool job that's a cool job i mean you're not getting paid much um if you're an apprentice, which you've stated. Uh, but I bet he does after he's not a So with yeah, all the union. fancy electronics, I fear that one day I will have an expensive repair for a random reason. All the old GS owners I see are old rich dudes or young dudes, sweet paying jobs. So I am looking for a more mechanical machine that is easy to work on and one where parts are available. Uh, I should probably look for a Honda if I want that kind of convenience. But the boxer motor is just different and awesome. Uh, since I work on locomotives, I can use tools and have a pretty good understanding of motors and electrical systems. The basic understanding of motors, YouTube, and the small but awesome group of Chievin Moto uh, gives guys like me the confidence to work on the Slash 7 when needed. I guess my ultimate question is, should I replace the GS with the Slash 7? (coughs) Thanks in advance for your response, advice, and tips. Below are picks with a giant fairing on it. <laughs> it's a better fairing in it. Yeah, better be yeah. better. Oh, there it is. Thanks for writing in, Brian. Uh, I'm gonna let these guys discuss it because I don't know anything about the bike other than. Um, well, what do you think about somebody selling a 2012 BMW for a 87? Was it? Yeah, 87. He's gotta get at least. All right, like, Yuri's trying to hold back. Yuri, what do you think? Uh, I, I don't know. It, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 all up to what what you want, you know. But um, I'm looking at. A 78 and I'm looking at a 2012 and 
78, not 87. I mean, yeah. you got you got the Fawns yeah. factor with the 78, right? Yeah. And you got the, what do you call that suit that they all wear? Oh, Aero Stitch. <laughs> and then you got the Aero Stitch crowd. Is who do you want to run with? You yeah. know, who do you want to run with? So, Jim, what do you think? Go with what feels good. Yeah. If you're happy riding it, then that's the bike for you. Yeah. yeah. Get both. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's ha- have it that all. We uh, sent him the Take uh, N plus alone. one email. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Proper amount of bikes is N plus one, and yeah. being the amount you already have. But Jim's got a good point, though. I mean, like, you want to be happy. I mean, if sport touring on that 12 is going to make you happy in the short term or in the near long term, maybe go with that because you're going to get your foot out there and you're going to, you know, ride around and see the country a bit more. Or if you want to be the Fonz, if that makes you <laughs> feel cooler, get that. Didn't Fonz ride a Triumph? Why do you guys uh, keep calling you know what I, You know what I mean. Zach, what do you think? As somebody with three project bikes... Yes. Do you think he should sell a good running 2012 bike? Uh, no. You should always have at least one bike that runs reliably. <laughs> Zach, you're the new me <laughs> with three projects going on. I know. Kat, yeah. what do you think? Uh, well, if he sells the the 2012, he's gonna get a pretty fat grip of cash, and I doubt that the the slash seven is worth as much as the 2012. If it is. If you want to buy it and it makes you happy, be happy. Um, but older bikes come with problems, just like new bikes. So. Cat knows about older bikes. <laughs> just take it with a grain of salt when somebody says it runs well. <laughs> but that would be cool to sell the more expensive bike and score a couple of, yeah. you know, couple, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and have your schizophrenia bicycles, you know, or come out of that. Or sell even the, sell the 2012 and get like a 2008 and the... Uh, slash seven and have a well running 2008 that's maybe not a BMW or that's that's well functional and does the modern thing for you. Stop being I, reasonable. I know. Yeah, the, the general the general rule of thumb here is quantity over quality. Yeah, I think I think the yeah, guy riding in, I think he might want you just to tell him sell that damn 1200 GS, get the old school ride, and. Uh, have fun. Buy a whole the, bunch of points with that money. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> might be... And if the old school ride sucks, sell it and buy another one. Yeah, that, yeah I think that exactly. might be what he wants to hear no, from, uh, from us. Normally, I try to be the voice of reason and say, you want to have one good running decent bike, then you can do whatever the fuck you want. Have whatever pieces of shit projects you want. Um, but in this case, I completely understand. I, I, I don't know how you ended up with the 2012 GS. Usually that's the bike when you're heading out to tackle the world that's the right bike for it and i even know people who can ride those gs 1200s on the streets here on the turns faster than the people on their sport bikes it is a very very capable bike that can do so many things but if you're not doing those things if you're not carving the canyons if you're not traveling the world if you're not commuting you know 200 miles a day then, yeah, what's the point of having it? It's like a rolling couch. I'm just going to say that. It's definitely really comfortable. That's so the point. <laughs> I agree. While it still has its value, the longer you wait to make that call, if you're not utilizing it, it's going down in value. So you might as well dump it now if you're not using it. Well, Yet again, that 78, if you maintain it, it's going up in value. And if you're 
capable of doing the work, that is a much simpler machine to maintain. Yep. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's enough of them out there. You can get the parts. You may have to go to, you know, Germany, Germany Bay, but yeah, they're out there. So it goes against what I normally say, but I agree, and I think it's cool having a classic. Yep. Totally. Um, just to touch on what you were saying yeah. about uh, people using the GS to the full extent of the bike. I have seen, and I am one of those people who rides a bike, that I doubt I will ever use my bike to its fullest potential. It was an R6, and I'm pretty sure my face would fall off before I actually was able to reach that full potential. (laughs) Um, 90% of riders, I'd say, around that, that's a complete bogus number. I don't know, a uh, a lot of riders don't use their bike to the fullest potential, and there's nothing wrong with that. If it makes you happy, do what makes you happy as long as you're happy yeah if you were going to get cool some, story bro some, i know it's <laughs> <laughs> great yeah I, I think that's a good call and i think you stated all the reasons why that's a good call so yeah do it that's why i said go for it i i, I felt a little like weird i can't believe i'm telling someone to dump the good good decent bike but i get it i get it well Yuri, I want to thank you again for coming in. I feel like we got a little more closure. I know you still have so many stories left in you. Yeah, I got a few. Um, I want to thank you for for bringing me down again, and it, it's it's really been uh, thanks for coming, man. It's, yeah, it's a pleasure yeah. to have you down here. Yeah. Don't be don't be a stranger. It, it I, I would like to to sit in for sure. I wondered though, Liza, if you guys would indulge me with thirty seconds of some thank yous. Yeah, that I yeah, could totally. Put shout out, on sure. Shout your, out time. Oh, your, you po- got the you got the list here on your podcast. I no problem, Yuri. We're, we're glad to have you anytime. Yeah, yeah I, we I have the wrap it up music ready in the background. <laughs> wrap it up, B. So, uh, <laughs> wrap that gavel up. So, yeah. I, I, <laughs> in in no, in no particular order, I just kind of found found some names that I, that I, I wanted to to thank, and that was uh, my wife Becky, Roxanne, and Michael Berrigan, the Manx Motorcycle Club for sure, Ann Kinvig, Dave and Lorraine Crusell. John and Diane Batty, Alan and Beth Cunningham, Kevin Ago Murphy, Carol and Arthur Smith, John Elwood, John Ortiz at Faultline Motorsports in Hollister, California, Tim Carrington, Simon Hampson, Tom McGrath, David Carlton, the guy from last podcast, that's him, David Carlton, Harry... Uh, Harvey Garten, he's a scrutineer at Manx. Great guy. Sam and Brett Hammonds from the Manx uh, Marshals. Uh, Terry Holmes. Uh, Eric Stoke. Paul Urich. Jeff Smith. David Canish. Joe Broomfield. Uh, Danny and Jer Barton. Mary Rose Trainer. Annie Bald. Doug Davis and David Birchall. Thank you to all those people. They they made uh, my Manx super successful while I was there. And awesome. I'm just going to guess you forgot to bring the medal again, didn't you? Uh, it's right here. Check it out. Oh, oh look at that wow. thing. Wow. Shit. Wow. <laughs> Can I borrow it? i got to open my beer. Hey, <laughs> no problem. Maybe we could put it under a kickstand. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. sink into the hot pavement. I'll carry it. Yeah, you guys Perfect can, size. Yeah, yeah, carry it around. Maybe take it to the dirt bag and just throw it across. Right. <laughs> and before we wrap up, Douglas, you have an announcement to make of an upcoming event. Yes, we do. You're pregnant? I, You're pregnant. Oh, it's going to be a soccer girl? player. Again. Uh, 
Vampire's Motorcycle Club is doing the annual Day of the Dead ride uh, this next Sunday, November 1st. So get your hungover ass down to <laughs> Cafe Pergolesi right. the day after Halloween at 12 noon. Uh, kickstand's up probably going to be 1 o'clock. I am leading this ride. Uh, we're going to end up at a destination and have free barbecue and stupid human tricks. And, and This event is free. And this event is known for its barbecue afterwards. Yes, it is a mystery meat barbecue. Yeah, so you're, you've never attended these. It's a mystery meat no, barbecue. No, I have. They, ha- have they you... had rattlesnake at the last one. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, well, rattlesnake chili. Rattlesnake. So this is November 1st. November 1st. At I... noon at the Cafe Pergolisi. Yeah, yeah. Pergolisi is uh, 418 Cedar Street, Santa Cruz, 95060. Right. My favorite was right. a year we had cricket tacos. That was the first year I went. Taco. Yeah. I, I did not have it, but I took a bunch home for my bearded yeah. dragon. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be a good thing. I'm, I'm hoping that my bike will be prepped for it too. And because sweet. It's cool to come. You can down hang there. out with me up front with the supermoto. Actually, if you bring your leathers, you can be the monkey on the chariot. On the chariot, huh? Yeah. So if you haven't seen, we have milk crates that have rotors on the bottom so that they can slide because we kept melting our milk crates. Oh, uh, you know what? And I think you, I'm a spectator oh, on that Oh, come on. <laughs> and yeah. it's a nice little oval parking lot with a speed bump in it. So that's a really technical part. I think this is your man right here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I think we need to get some leathers for Bosley's. But these are these are cool events because uh, the the streets are lined with bikes. It's it's uh, it's a good time. I I, I I encourage a lot everyone to come out. Yeah, this is a it's a memorial ride for for fallen riders or for whoever you'd like. Yeah, it's a great ride. And yeah, we just want to make sure everyone knows that the garage will be closed on that Sunday as well. Nope. But hopefully everyone will come on the ride. Yeah. So again. Thank you, Yuri, for coming. Thanks, it's just Yuri, so Thanks for having me. Very much. Glad you live so close by, and yeah. aren't we fortunate? We made it, Santa Cruz. Yeah, we did. We did make it. <laughs> we're on the map now. <laughs> let's uh, let's um, let's start gearing up and 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 start talking about next year. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because no. that's I'm I'm. Um, my mind's already involved in that. And you need you some be, pit uh, crew. You could be our I, man I in need, Ireland. Yeah. yeah. I need so that's, as that's much positive energy oh, behind it as I can get, for yep. sure. If you for buy sure. him a fancy little shirt, I'm pretty sure you can talk Douglas I will, into it. I will fucking go with you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Start planning now. Start planning now, because it takes the planning to make it happen. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good. Start drinking Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> Carling. It's Carling over there. That's the one. And um, again, I just want to thank everyone who sends emails and have left reviews and just encourage people to keep doing so. And love reading those. If you uh, leave a message on our voicemail, we'd love to have some more intros. Um, Zach, where can people reach us? You can find us online at MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com, on Facebook at Recycle Santa Cruz, and send us an email at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at... 831-291-5112. 831-291-5112. Order pizza. <laughs> Zach, you need to interview with NPR. I'm serious. Your voice is is rocking. It's like a switch. Yeah. That's a great voice. It is. He kind of talks like this normally. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could see him doing This American Life yeah. or, or something like that. Uh, it's, it's like I could not even pay attention. Liza would be like, tell, us how to, tell him how to reach us. And it's just... <laughs> that yeah. one. That, that's what we use him for. That. Yeah, right. That, that's his one talent. That's my one. <laughs> that's why we bring him in. That's perfect. Other than that, that's why he has three projects. Yeah. That's right. Well, that and making cables. <laughs> I, I haven't made a lot of cables. On that note, I think we're ready to get out of here and go get some food. This is Liza. Uh, I'm Zach. Cat. Douglas. Yuri. 
Stop playing with the computer. <laughs> Jake's dad. <laughs> also known as Jim. And we are out. Cool. 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 cool.